This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. How many times have you thought to yourself, I wish I could know more about, well, you fill in the blank. You've come to the right place. I am Chuck Jones, Executive Director of Commonwealth Charlotte and the host of the Know More podcast. Each week, we'll help you know more about some of the challenges faced by low-income wage earners in Charlotte and nationwide, seen through the lens of organizations whose mission it is to address those challenges. So thank you for coming, and here we go. Whether you're a regular listener or this is your first time, I'm really glad you're here. And today, I'm not just welcoming this week's guest, but I'm sharing the podcast with someone who has, over the past five years, become one of my very good friends. She also happens to be one of my co-workers. Julie Rodriguez is the Director of Latinx Services for Commonwealth Charlotte, leading our efforts to provide financial capability-building services to our growing community of Latino and Hispanic neighbors. I met Julie when she was on staff at Leading on Opportunity. I've come to rely on her sound counsel, her intuitive management skills, in-depth knowledge of our work, and I just love her passion and the abundant energy she brings every day to this critically important component of what we do. So, Julie... Welcome to the No More Podcast. Thank you. That's going to be my new affirmation on a daily basis. That's that's great. You know, I remember the day I met you. You had recently moved to Charlotte. You were a new member of the Leading on Opportunity team. And I recall quite vividly leaving that meeting and walking to the elevator and thinking, how cool would it be if I could ever get Julie to work with me at Commonwealth? You made that kind of impression on me. And here we are. Here we are. Can you believe it? I cannot. I mean, I, I love the work that you do, but, you know, life just surprises us. And it was it was never really in, in, in the works for me um, due to personal reasons. But I'm glad and I can never imagine not being a part of the team now. Oh, I can't either. I can't either. We'll talk about uh, more how we put together this puzzle that resulted in our working together. But uh, it's been three years. And yours is a very interesting life path that brought you to Charlotte. Would you mind sharing some of it with our listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've lived in in the U.S. since I was eight, so 30-something years, uh, but I never left New York. Um, I left New York for vacation, but I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. And it wasn't until um, my husband and I had kids that we we kind of picture a new, uh, for lack of a better word, American dream for our family. And so we decided to leave. We came to Charlotte because we had college friends that have been living here for a number of years, and um, we just loved it. We loved the fact that it was a little bit of a city and a little bit of country, uh, and it felt for the first time like I had reached the United States in a way. So it's good. I can't imagine being anywhere else. This is home to us now. That's great. And uh, how did you end up uh, connecting with Leading on Opportunity? So uh, once we decided to move to Charlotte and we had bought our home, um, I started looking for work. And uh, it was actually through uh, the connection of uh, Liz Weinberg, uh, Weiner, mm-hmm. sorry, who said, you know, I think this would be a great opportunity for you. Why don't you look at um, look into it? And I read the report and it just, it made so much sense. It was the next puzzle of over, at that point, what, 13 years of working in the social service field. Um, and it, it really made sense to me. Yeah. And you were the financial, their family financial stability manager. Is that correct? Yep. 
Yeah, wow. child, uh, child and family. So yeah, yeah, so we kind of knew that when we talked the first time. I said, you know, you and I are kind of trying to work on the same problems. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that was it. And you mentioned Sergio, and you all have another business, right, that you run? We, uh, we do, uh, we do. Around we do. mental wellness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he's a psychotherapist, so he uh, ventured into his own practice. Yeah. yeah. And in the beginning of 2020, so it was the right time. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I remember our early days of knowing each other, talking about how we might expand our work at Commonwealth to effectively serve the uh, Latinx community. Uh, one time in particular, I just remember you and I standing in front of a building out at University of North Carolina at Charlotte, and in a matter of minutes, we solved all the problems. <laughs> do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. And, um, but, um, you know, th- this, this podcast is usually devoted to how financial challenges uh, affect low-income families. Uh, but one thing uh, you taught me very early on is that the challenges of our uh, Latino neighbors the challenges they face are really numerous and it's not just low income families. Um, you're working with people and groups of people who face other, sometimes very complicated situations. So let's unpack that some today. Okay. Talk, talk to our listeners a little bit about um, just an overview of that. And we'll, we'll branch out from there. So I, there's no way for me to unpack that without really talking about my own personal story. Yeah, so, let's do you know, that. I think there's there's an idea of what the immigrant story, quote unquote, immigrant story is. And I think it's so vast because uh, immigrants or Latinos come from very different countries. Yeah, it's not a monolith. No. I mean, when you say Latino community, you're talking about hundreds of different yeah. uh, groups of people. Yeah. And we do connect in a lot of different things. It's very, it's very fun to find the similarities that we all share, regardless if you're from Central America. America, South America, Brazil, etc. But it is important to kind of get to know the individual and the individual story. And so for me, it was really, you know, leaving my country at eight years old, not really understanding. I was a child. So I really had to live it through the eyes of my parents. And and my parents and the journey that they live through is very similar to what some families that we're working with are right now. So it's it's great for me to be able to give back and to remember what those families and those children and those people are feeling at the moment um, and be able to to help them see their future and the work that, you know, all of the work and all of the hardship that they're going through, what that's going to play um, and look like in the future. Right. And that is important. I remember when we first started talking, I, I remember saying to you, uh, Julie, I know nothing about this. And why do you think that's important? Why is it important to, to bring that, that uh, I don't know, it's, it's got a lot of names these days. It used to be cultural competence. I think it's now cultural empathy. But uh, understanding that in a way that you don't understand it if you haven't been through it. Yeah. And, and even for me as the, the you know, the, the immigrant or the Latina who understands this, it's even important for me to understand that my experience 30-something years ago is quite different now. So remembering that and really trying to understand the clients and the families and the needs that, that we have in front of us are really important. Even within Charlotte, Charlotte was quite different 10 years ago than what it is now. And some of the um, hardships that our community is facing is, is shifting and it's growing. And the resources 
resources that they need and the the help that they need with overcoming some barriers is quite different. So I always say kind of staying close to the the pulse of what the community is feeling mm-hmm. and needing and knowing is is important. And even for us as our own sort of gatekeepers and leaders in the community to to remember that humility and really try to understand what what's what's going on that's, at this very moment. That's right. Uh, I am famous for saying uh, each of our clients is uh, exactly the same except for the fact that they are completely different. And that would be true in all communities that we serve because uh, uh, we serve people across Charlotte and Mecklenburg County. Um, When when we talk about um, our uh, Latino uh, neighbors, let's talk a little bit about their, uh, if, if there is any type of consistency among them all about their view on banking. Is there a, a view on banking from that community that differs from other uh, other communities? I think so. Um, I mean, regardless of you know the country that you're coming from in Latin America, or even regarding uh, regardless of your own socioeconomic um, uh, standing at that country, the 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 financial system in our own countries need a lot of work, and to some extent, is it, very predatory. Um, it it's not fringe services in general, but just the financial services that are currently available are such. And so you find um, members of the community coming in wanting nothing to do with a loan or a bank or any kind of financial system in general. And they think that they can do this on their own by saving. And I will be wrong if I say that that's not possible. Our, our, if, if our community is anything, is resilient and they've done it. They've been overcoming these barriers for years, uh, even before any of these resources were there. Um, So they are able to do it, but it's harder. And I think that's one of the benefits in in the work that we do is that it doesn't have to be hard and they can have a friend and they can have an an ally and a resource. And so that that I think is is something that we need to keep in mind. Yeah, I think so. You know, coming from my heritage, um, we... We weren't heavy users of credit, but we understood credit, and and I understood the use of that from a fairly early age. But credit is another piece of this that's uh, that's not the same in in some of the the Latinx heritage communities. Correct? Yeah, correct. Even in my own family, I remember my father saying, "If I cannot afford to pay it right now, I'm not using it." So you know, um, for some things, it makes sense, right? If you're going to buy a, a TV or furniture with such high interest rates, then yeah. That's, that's a really good thought to have. But if you want to build uh, generational wealth and buy a home or start a business, you may need to rely on on a banking product or, or a loan or a mortgage. So it's it's definitely very important to understand that. Yeah, it is. And uh, and you do a lot of work in that, correct? We do. Yeah, tell, tell me a little bit about uh, – well, you know, let's, st- let's stop there for just a minute because one of the things that uh, you said to me was um, Commonwealth Charlotte – um, you know, if you want to be uh, good with the culture and with the language, Commonwealth Charlotte just does not translate into Spanish very well. Uh, so we actually really renamed your entire area, didn't we? Mm-hmm. I can't say it. You say it. <laughs> you say it so much better than me. So it's Buenas Finanzas, Carolinas. And what does that translate so it means to? Good Finances. 
and and we were trying to be inclusive of all of the different needs of the of the community. So, whether it's someone who distrusted the the financial system, well, this the, the word "good" in it and "bueno" kind of brings brings that home. Mm-hmm. Or even someone who really understands the the financial system but that needs that support can right away understand what it is that we do and how we can help them. So. That, right. that was how we decided to rebrand it. And then Carolinas came about because of your understanding of uh, the distribution geographically of our population, correct? Correct. I mean, I just said it. Uh, there's there's things that are changing in Charlotte right now. How it was five years ago in the areas that were very heavy Latino are shifting and are changing. Um, and so we have to look beyond Charlotte. We need to go into uh, Cabarrus County, Gastonia, and even beyond that. So it's important for us to stay uh, connected and be you know, venture out and, and go where the community is. Yeah, it is. So one of the things that you've always, uh, you also kind of coached me up on, which um, I appreciate, is the concept of cash earners. Can we talk about that for just a minute? Cash earners yep. is something that uh, uh, has at various times had some negative uh, attached to it, but uh, it doesn't need to be. Let's talk about cash earners for just a minute. Yeah, so uh, members of our community are here, and some of our members uh, of the Latino community may have the the ability to work uh, because they have a, a work permit or they're on, in the process of becoming residents, et cetera, but some do not. Um, and they still work and they still contribute to the community. Uh, and because of that, because they're looking for a path for immigration, et cetera, they want to do things as legally as possible. So they may decide to do uh, to just earn cash and have these may be the only options for them for employment. However, this does not mean that they don't pay their taxes, that they do not contribute to their local economy, which they do. Um, and if I remember correctly, I think, I forget the source, but um, immigrants or W-7 users, which is the the identification number that you use if you don't have a social to pay your taxes, contribute about $260 billion in taxes a year. Um, and the Latino community is a part of that. Right. And just on a on a just a very simple, uh, you know, thing is, is if you earn cash, you you go and pay cash for things that you have. I mean, everyone needs place to live and everyone needs food to eat. And if you're paying cash, you're paying cash, you're contributing to the economy. But then the other thing, uh, so many things, you know, as I'm talking to you, I, I, I keep coming back on recounting all the things that you've taught me about <laughs> everything. So uh, again, when I said in your intro, the wise counsel that you give me is, uh, is very valuable. But uh, uh, one of the things that you uh, said fairly early to me was um, the community that I serve needs help with their income taxes. There's yes. nobody helping with their income taxes. And um, so that resulted in us forming an entirely different uh, operation at Commonwealth Charlotte that we call Vita Latino. Yes. Tell and me about I'm that. very proud of. Um, it was an idea that I approached you about um, because when, when I first started with uh, Commonwealth, one of the things I told you is I'm going to do focus groups because I wanted to be very sensitive to not uh, put my own thoughts and w- my ideas of what the community need- needed into play. And so through these focus groups, we learned that um, one of the biggest 
uh, needs was assistance in preparing taxes. And we learned that there are, you know, there are great providers out there that, that do the service, but there's also some providers that will take advantage of it. And we're charging people upwards of $600 uh, to do basic tax preparation. And again, these are members of our community that may not be eligible for refunds. So we knew that this was more money being bled out rather than back in their pocket to address their needs of their family. Mm-hmm. So you said, sure, let's do it. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I had worked um, and volunteered with VITA to some extent, but bringing this from the ground up was definitely um, a roller coaster of good emotions and great learning opportunities. And we're now starting to prep for our third year. Right. So we've done this now for two successful years. It's been amazing. I want to stop you just right there to say, you know, the, the work that you have to do to be certified by the Internal Revenue Service is not a piece of cake, is it? No, it is not. There's a lot of paperwork a lot of um, a lot of hoops that you have to jump through just to be certified to provide this service. Yeah, which in a way is great because we know that the volunteers and the people who are doing this service have done their work, have done their diligence to make sure that they can provide a quality service to the community. Yeah, so in two years, we have uh, served approximately how many people with uh, returns and with advice. Yeah. So just through our Vita Latino, it's been a little bit over 700 um, community members. Right. And that's resulted in a cumulative of how much refunds? A little bit over $400,000 in refunds. So this is money back into the pockets of members of the community that legally deserve and have the right to receive these refunds. Exactly. And then you you also uh, processed returns that did not get refunds because they were uh, paid taxes. And that was, I think you told me, over $100,000. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And those two figures are really important to us for Two reasons. One uh, is just the impact that it has with the families. Talk talk about that just a minute. The impact. Yeah. So this is this might be the only time in the year that the families have access to such a, a hefty amount of money in one shot. So on average, from the two years that we've worked, families may be receiving up to six thousand dollars in refunds. Um, and so this allows them to now be able to pay down debt to set money aside for, you know, an emergency fund or to be able to be that step closer to buying their home or starting their business. Yeah, I'm always uh, I always love the benefits that come to the individuals. That that is a a huge thing that we always uh, kind of revel in when we have those successes. But I also think it's our uh, responsibility as an organization that does something like this to do that second thing, to have that second message out, which is, you know this uh, from working and knowing me for a while, I hate stereotypes. Mm-hmm. I hate when people get painted with broad brushes. And there's this uh, misconception among some people that uh, Latinos and people who are uh, immigrants don't pay taxes. They don't do that. And our vital Latino service proves that wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's never easy when someone that is, you know, struggling financially all of a sudden gets the news that they have to pay $6,000 in, mm. in um, you know, in, in taxes. But they do it willingly because they understand that this is, this is part of being a member of the community. And this is, in some instances, the only process for them that they have to address their immigration um, uh, path. Mm -hmm. And so they they definitely do it um, with 
often with uh, you know a, a bead of sweat down their their forehead, but comfortable knowing that there are ways for you to pay that. So we even support them in that. Yeah. Um, there's ways for them to make payments so that they don't have to uh, in, inflict more financial um, instability in having to all of a sudden take out this money from from their pocket. So they you know mm-hmm. they receive help all around, whether they're receiving the money or whether they have to pay this money. Yeah. Back. And you don't get a refund if you haven't paid taxes. Correct. You know, it's not so, so, you know, you're, it, 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 this is, these, this is a group of people that are hardworking and paying their taxes and working in the United States. So that's great. I love that service that we have. What, um, what else do we, uh, so the podcast is called No More, which means we want to know more about what um, we're uh, what what's happening. But it also has kind of an embedded no n o no more. What are some of the things that we need to to say? Look, no more about what uh, this what our Latino neighbors are uh, challenged with. What are some of the things that we could do as a as a culture that would maybe. Uh, alleviate some of the challenges that, that they have. Are there any that come to your mind right off the top? Yeah, so I say no more with stereotypes, right? So it, even uh, I define myself as an immigrant, and I, and, I, and I love to uplift that because that is my reality. But that doesn't mean that all of us Latinos are immigrants. My daughters are not. They're first generation. Right. And so remembering that, I think it's, it's, it's very important to fully understand ev- all of the makeups of our community. Um, No more in um, utilizing the same ideas over and over again. I think we need to be creative in in what we do, not just in with financial literacy and financial capability, but just in servicing the community in general. And I think um, being able to understand some of the challenges that the community is facing and being willing to step outside of that box to do to address those specific needs and not add to 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 the challenges that they may be facing. Yeah, those are all great points because we can get uh, we can find ourselves in situations where we make judgments. Mm-hmm. We can find ourselves in situations where we fall back on those stereotypes, and we just don't need to do that because everyone is is making their own way, as the uh, as the old uh, adage goes. Well, um, is there anything else that you would like to just say about uh, about the work that you do that uh, our listeners would be interested in knowing? You got a great team. I have an amazing team. Um, I have both David and Ada, uh, who honestly have been the reason why we've been able to continue to expand. And mm-hmm. the same thing with our, our team of volunteers. So I think if I want to say something is that um, we can't do this on our own. We're always looking for volunteers to come in and and, and, and help us and especially support the Vital Latino efforts, but just in general. Um, if they want to know more about what we do and how they can be of assistance, then we're always re- readily available. Yeah, you are. So um, it's it's important, I think, at this point, to uh, if anyone's listening to this, to know that you can go to commonwealthcharlotte.org, and on our website there is a translation button to Spanish. So you can uh, hit that button and everything that we have there is translated and you've gone through and edited it. Yes. So we did not just use a translator. <laughs> we, we actually no. translated it. So yes. it should make sense. Yes. Um, and that's the fun part between the three of us. So I'm Colombian, both David and Nada are Salvadorian. It's like, okay, does this make sense to you or is this too Colombian of a translation? So, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, 
And we have uh, we actually have even one other member of our team who is bilingual in English and Spanish. So we have a uh, uh, we have a good uh, uh, third of our of our staff is dedicated to this uh, to this community. So we want everyone to know that Vital Latino is over for 2023 tax year mm-hmm. 22. But you'll gear back up. When will you gear up for that? We're starting to gear up now. So now, start- yeah, you yep. just finished. We ju- well, yes, but that's how it is. Now we're we're getting feedback from partners, from volunteers, from clients, because again, we want to improve and we want to grow. Um, you know, we, we've we've grown first year, second year, this third year, we want to go beyond uh, what we just shared. So it's an opportunity for us to learn um, our best practices, kind of go back to the drawing board and things that we need to improve and start getting things aligned because people are starting to hear more about it. And even as of now, we're getting emails and texts of like, when are you opening up the calendar for January? So it's amazing. Yeah, it takes some some uh, love and effort before January. It does. <laughs> now, um, if you want to volunteer for Vital Latino, uh, do you need to speak Spanish? No, you don't. Tell you, me about that. So um, we... We work with different um, vo- different types uh, of volunteers. So we have some volunteers that would only be willing uh, and able to translate. Um, so there's always the, the possibility for you to be able to work with someone and have a translator um, next to you. One of our biggest supporters is uh, UNCC Department of Accounting. And the majority of their students are non-Spanish speakers. And so we've been able to accomplish all of this work as a community. Right. So if you just have interest in uh, volunteering and, and have, uh, um, you know, some uh, acumen in tax preparation, you can do that. Yes. But you also train people, correct? We do. Yeah. It's part of the requirements, even if you're a CPA and you do this in your sleep, you still have to go through that certification. Um, and it's something that we we walk you through. We support you in, in the whole process. And again, through the uh, support that we have with uh the UNCC's Department of Accounting, one of the professors is the one who trains you on everything. So even if there's expert um, questions or something really specific, it's not going to be me giving you wrong information. It's going to be an expert. Well, you don't give wrong information. <laughs> you always give right information. It's true. It's true. I try, but I'm only human. <laughs> oh, you do. And uh, so you can volunteer. There's all kinds of volunteer opportunities. And there's other volunteer opportunities through the year as well. Definitely. We yeah. always want folks to know more about it. So if you just want to share on our post, try to get more um, people to know about the work that we do or, you know, even help us with marketing or help us to get more volunteers, help us at events. There's always opportunities for you to support what we do. Yeah, there is. So CommonwealthCharlotte.org and you can click the the uh, language button and, and translate it to English or Spanish. And then VitalLatino.org is the Vital Latino site. And that's where you learn about our, um, our volunteer income tax assistance. Uh, you also are fairly... Um, active on social media, correct? We are, yes. We have both uh, Buenas Finanzas Facebook page and Instagram. So we're getting really good at doing reels with uh, uh, Caroline's assistance. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll that, see that grow. Oh, yeah, that will grow. Um, well, this has been great. I've looked forward to having you on this podcast. And uh, we uh, actually did very well in staying within uh, the time because Yay! a lot of times when you and I talk, we start talking. We're both talkers. Yeah. Well, so we, when you have a microphone in front of you, it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> different. But but yeah. <laughs> we can talk a lot. Well, uh, it's been great having you. Uh, Julie Rodriguez is the uh, director of Latinx uh, services for Commonwealth Charlotte, and uh, I look forward to seeing you um, tomorrow. Gracias. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. 
If you want to know more about Commonwealth Charlotte and the services we provide, see our website at commonwealthcharlotte.org or email info at commonwealthcharlotte.org and someone will be in touch with you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.